plan today is we're going to break down the top eight decks from PPG Denver and discuss, you know, why they succeeded in a given event and then how we would kind of adapt and change them uh, moving like moving forward as the meta continues to evolve. This week, we're not going to get a ton of information aside from like weekly league plays. There's no other 1K event to really break down and analyze. So this is just what we're, you know, spending our resources on this week of going, okay, these were the decks. This is why they succeeded. This is why I think that they may succeed or fail. And we'll, you know, we'll kind of just go through it. So first and foremost, Scott, uh, our top eight decks were, um, I cut Scott out, I'm such a meanie. Uh, our top eight decks were two Ruby Amethyst, two Steel Amethyst, one Amber Emerald, one Amber Amethyst, one Emerald Amethyst, and one Amber Steel. There's a really nice theme of this, um, and it's Amber and Amethyst. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. This is, our, this right. is what I've been saying for a while now. So Now, you helped call the stream, right? We, you know, yep. I think you ended up doing five of the rounds, I believe. Um, yeah, sounds right. We saw all of these decks. Actually, we didn't see all of them. Um, I believe we didn't. We never saw Hung Lee on stream, but everyone else, I think, the other seven, we saw at least on stream one time. Was there anything about the decks during the event that you were shocked by? Some of the card choices um, here and there, but in general, I mean, within their archetype, not really. Right. Um, but some of the individual card choices were interesting and positive, mostly. Okay. I wouldn't say there was anything that, like... I mean, the only other things that stood out to me was just some of the numbers of cards in the decks and the numbers of the individual cards as opposed and the, the the size of the, I guess you would call it like the deck size or something like that in general. Right. We're going to, we're going to specifically otherwise. touch on the Ruby, uh, the Ruby Amethyst decks uh, at a point here, yeah. but to start, let's break into one of our top eight decks. And that was the PPG Amber Amethyst it was played by Sam Cahill. Uh, this was an Amber Amethyst list. It, Pretty much is less like a control, like a control list here, right? But the interesting, there's some interesting choices for this being a control list. Um, for me, the first card that stands out in a big way is Pascal. What do you think Pascal is here for? Uh, probably just chipping away at lore, like just okay. getting at your opponent in terms of lore. Um, I, I don't, I don't really know what you would classify this deck as. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it's. It's just a value deck, right? Like, it right. just has a, a lot of ways yeah. to gain value. So, like, no, most of the time for me with, with value, I, I just put that in, like, the mid-range class or, yeah. you know, tempo, whatever you want to call it. That's what I would That's what I would label it as. Yeah, like, I, I just, I think there's, I, I think this deck could be improved to have more synergy in it the way it is now. Mm -hmm. um, I, there are some cards I definitely like. I, I don't. You probably saw this more than me. Like, I, I don't really know how good you have forgotten me is when you're playing like mid range as opposed to aggro. I can understand why it's really good in aggro. Um, because you just, if you can deny your opponent the ability to come back from turn four and five, right? And you already have a huge board established. I can understand that. Um, and, but like, I get, and, and like, I get part of your world, but like, if you're going to play this color combination, like, Where's error? <laughs> so, yeah, listen, and and here here's something that, I, that I, I think needs to be said before we really get into this. I say this all the time, and a lot of the, you know, tips videos for new players and things like that, like I always say, like, you have to learn from losses. You got to learn from things. But honestly, once we get to a point and we look at this as, as a success rate, right, 
yeah. Once we're in top eights, okay, the goal, I've said this last week for on stream, the goal for any of it, in my opinion, is to get a top eight in whatever event you're playing in. If you get top eight, you've had a successful day. Anything plus that is just bonus. Yep. But when we're when we, we talk about trying to be in like that winner's mindset, then you need to be able to really evaluate your wins. And this is one of those decks where like when I honestly look at it, I understand everything here. I actually respect a lot of the decisions made in this deck, like yep. in a big, big way. But then there are question marks of like, well, why do we have this? Why do we have so many of that? And how do I craft this to just become a better deck as a whole? Now, Amber Amethyst, right? Scott, Scott will agree with me here. Amber Amethyst has the most draw power, period, right? Like if every in combination, you cannot, you cannot get more draw power out of another in combination. So because of that, why are there so many four ofs? Right. Why is there not more choice? Why is there not more creative, uh, like answers and tools to go with you like i can make an argument why you don't play spectacular singer in this list and it's just because you quote don't need it but i can also say <laughs> it, 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 i can also say that like it's maleficent six or five six seven and eight right, right. so like now i just have the greatest three cost characters ever like it, instead of playing mickey mouse if you just played ariel i think right there your deck is already better like literally just and may, maybe it is a card collection thing. We don't know, right? I don't know if he just didn't have them. I have no idea. But if I'm looking to improve, one of the first choices I would make is absolutely, A, trimming down on a lot of these numbers. B, yeah. with that trim, adding in more of silver bullet options. And then C, the last and final thing is just playing better cards. Um, so for me, when I look at this, Mickey Mouse, I, I, don't, I just can't fathom ever playing that card over Ariel like period and even right now we only have we don't have be our guest in here right so we only have no. seven songs fine we can make room i promise <laughs> uh we can play be our guest and then you can cut down the numbers like you said that's not right and that's another thing is once you play card like be your guest you can also further cut down the numbers so like a i, I don't i don't think this is a deck that i'm gonna play pascal in um I was very interested in the choice of Stitch, and my honest my honest thought on Stitch at, at now, and, and this happens actually a couple times in this top eight decks as we're breaking them down, but the Stitch, do you think people are playing Stitch, Scott, just to threaten Rockstar? I, I guess if you're going to play a one-drop without it, I, I think that's a good choice. Right. So I, like, I, I would be playing Rockstar on this deck also. No, so sure, 100%. So, but my so. point is that this happens a couple times in these top eight decks where, like, they just have Stitch, New Dog, mm -hmm. but then they don't have they don't have Rockstar. I'm just like, man, like, not even one? Like, like, are we just, like, so interested in the threat of what this card represents that, like, like I hope my opponent burns the fire the cannons on it? Like, is, is that yeah, what I'm Because yeah. I'm okay with playing that game, for what it's worth. Like, I'm totally mm -hmm. okay with this mind game that you're playing within within a match. But it is interesting to me. That's all. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I, I think the Pascals, uh, the Pascals and Mickey Mouses, and honestly, even the Dr. Facilier, I think that those 12 cards right there would open up a, a, a bunch of options here, uh, a ton. And then even looking at it going like, man, do I really need four Baby Elsa? Do I need four You Forgotten Me? Do I need four Rafiki? Do I need four Jafar, right? Like all of those numbers can be played with. So like, I think you could honestly change about 20 cards in this deck 
and still keep the overall core and concept of it. I agree. I, okay. I think Pascal is in there because what it allows you to do is like on turn, I guess it's turn eight. Okay. You can play Pascal and Surfer Stitch with only one other character in play, and then you can use Surfer Stitch's ability. Okay. Or he can, and he can be a character that sits in play is harder to deal with. And sure. so it'll, I think he allows you to get better surfers. If that right. makes sense. Right. That's fair. So that's fair. Okay. Let's get into the next one. Sure. So our next deck is top eight, Joseph Trueblood. And he is representing the, uh, he's playing the Amber Emerald Aggro? Deck. Yeah. I think so. Right. I mean, that's that's what he's that's what this looks like he's trying to do here. Yeah. Um, Mid range. I mean, it has some. It, high, it's a higher. I guess it's. Yeah, I would still call it aggro because it it has a couple higher drops. Yeah. It actually. I mean, like the problem is that it has more four cost. It has just as many four costs above as it does three costs or below. Yeah. So fair. that's why I I actually think this is closer to a mid range in a way. Fair. Um, but just just because I I need to get it right, I need to understand this, and this is just from my point of view. When my opponent plays just in time on turn three, and they play like any five cost card, I always feel behind. Mm-hmm. So when you are playing Emerald and you have the best five cost cards in the game, arguably, arguably characters, I should say characters, arguably. I don't understand the world where we're not playing just in time. I really yeah. don't. I, I just think I, I don't. There was a now. Now, granted, listen. You can go back, right? Like you can go back on this channel. You can find videos mm-hmm. of Scott and I saying that we did not like just in time because it was a net negative in card. All those things. The moment you play it, the moment you play against it, it the power is just above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it really and, and the sick thing. This is the real sick thing for me is that. Not only is it good on turn three, but it's also good on turn seven. Like, it's also good on turn five. Like, as long as you can weigh the resources to always be up in curve, then that card is just always threatening power. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I just – I don't understand why these decks aren't playing that card. I, re- I, I just – I don't get it. I, I think it's I think it's the, the combo element of it people don't like. Probably, I would assume. Um, yeah, that that to me is probably the biggest reason. Uh, I mean, I would try to fit them in, even if you only play like as a three of. But I would probably still play it as a four of. Um, if you're gonna have, I, I just feel like if you're gonna have Lilo in your deck, then you need to have more higher lore characters and the ability to get them out faster. And the fact that you have Hades and Rapunzel, which I I like and agree with, means that you can make up for the card disadvantage when you when those characters eventually are banished. But, I mean, first of all, most of the time when Mad Hatter is banished, you're drawing a card anyway, at least one. Right. Um, And then when Cusco is banished, he's taking something with him, and he's hard to deal with. So, um, oftentimes, he's a tempo gain and, you know, and straight advantage gain. Right. So, you can make up that advantage with, again, with those two cards as it is. So. Right. I think that's the hard part here is that this particular list... um, we've decided to go with genies and John silvers, which are great cards, right? Like I'm not, I'm not hating on the cards, but I just look at that and go, well, if I just had those six cards as like three, just in times and three Maximus is my deck just better. 
your deck's different. I mean, like, I don't know. I like Genie even in the aggro list. Sure. But I don't like two of you have forgotten me. I don't like Jasper. I certainly don't like Hey Hey. And I don't like 12 one drops. Like I wasn't going to hate on the Hey Hey. Uh... You weren't going to hate on the Hey Hey? <laughs> I wasn't going to. I Do I think it's necessary? No, no, not at all. Of course. I just wasn't going to hate on the chicken. That's all. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, um, I think I'd, I think I'd rather have sometimes I'd rather have the chicken than so support is an ability where you feel like you're going to be playing from behind and 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 so because you have to use two characters to make it worth it so like you're you're sure AA to make like one of your I don't know like sure two x's a three x right and that has to swing into a character to get the effect on it so like you know that's where in a deck like this I wouldn't play it but there are like like, so, for example, in the previous deck, like, I actually like Hey Hey in the Amber Amethyst decks because sure. of a Pascal. If you're not playing, like, the more control version, you're playing more of, like, the aggro aggressive version. Because, like, a card like Pascal all of a sudden, like, has this ability to trade up and do other things, like, with support sure. in general. Or, um, I mean, I I've seen it happen, but, like, Maximus swings in, supports Hey Hey, and all of a sudden, yeah. or supports uh, Pascal, and all of a sudden you're, like, your one-cost Pascal that picks you up three random lore and now also just took out like their four or five drop and you're just yeah, like sure. extreme extraordinary value mm -hmm. um but in this particular list uh it's it's likely you know if i start really looking at cards i would look to cut down on it's probably like, hey hey is definitely one of them uh jasper is another one i, I think that his stat line is great but the uh, like for me the jasper and law like and john silver in this deck they don't really do they're not really helping your overall goal um so i, I like he's just a two, four, right? Like his, mm -hmm. his secondary effect, while it matters, it doesn't matter often enough. So I would rather just play something else. If you're ahead, it doesn't help you. If you're behind, like it may help you, but like, sure. You want to be playing. I, I don't, I think you want to, if you have a deck with Lilo and Flynn, you want to be playing from ahead. Right. And it, it, if you feel like you're going to have to come back from being behind, you have Genie, you have mother knows best. Um, you have Hades, you have Rapunzel, etc. So, like, I would not be playing cards that, like, I yeah. automatically put you up. He's a good, he's good with Rapunzel. Honestly, like, if you just want a guy with the stats, I know people that this might be where the Smee comes into another deck, for example. Yep. No, Smee. I, I didn't even touch on Smee last time because I spent <laughs> way too much time on uh, earlier in this week. But Smee right. is, Smee was under the radar for sure. And it's definitely a card again. Like, Smee and Rapunzel are a match made in heaven, in my opinion. Mm hmm. I, I do you mentioned a little bit here. I really love the Hades in this deck. I think Hades is like it might be one of the more criminally underplayed cards, in my honest opinion. I agree. Yeah. Uh I, I think the uninkable cost like seems like a really high cost. I don't think everyone truly understands what he represents. Now, granted, in this particular list, again, I'm not certain what we're doing all the time with our resources, but this also enables like that turn seven play. Like if we find a way to fit justin times in here with shocker it's not difficult to do that uh this is another card that later on in the game you're just like oh i, I can play my hades i can get back a five five cost on turn seven and then just in time it i know it seems ridiculous and crazy but with cards like rapunzel with cards like mad hatter you just you you, you accrue card advantage like you accrue mm -hmm. these cards and you've set up these long-term plays and when this deck is really positioned to pressure very early with your lilos with your hanses and you know and your cuscos and things like that a play like that late in the game 
is is just backbreaking. It's mm-hmm. if you can just get back your Cusco and play Hades plus Cusco, all of a sudden you're you're threatening four lore and a card with ward. Mm-hmm. Like that, those are game winning potential cards. Agree. All right. Uh, for me, the You Forgotten Me's. In all honesty, if we want to have like a straight conversation about just You Forgotten Me, I I think there was like fifty percent of the time I thought it was great, and then the other fifty I thought it was like the worst thing you could have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like where it's probably going to stand most of the time because in the end, unless you're so far ahead in a game to where you're cutting out your opponent's ways to interact with the current board then it's not a very good play. If you're in an even playing field and you're, or, or honestly, if you're behind, the card is very bad if you're behind because if you're behind and you're paying for to get rid of two cards in your opponent's hand, but you have no interaction for the board, then you're still just behind because they're going to draw off the top and still be able to move the game forward and play forward. Whereas like you're not. And, and given the makeup of what you see in the top eight, if that's a representation of the meta, they're playing friends for free. Right. Right. Or take two right. cards away. Like, right. And, and again, there were six amethyst decks. Every single one of them had four friends four. in it. Right. Uh, so like their turn three play is, or their turn four play is exhaust my guy, exert my guy, draw two cards. Mm-hmm. And then your turn four is use all of my resources to make right. you discard two cards. Right. Those two things, they don't work together. They don't work together. Let's okay. catch up with chat for a second here. So uh, first of all, shout out to Neil. Hey, Neil, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, we have the card advantage didn't feel good. If your opponent can catch back up in a couple turns, I don't think it ends up being worth it. So I think this is in reference to just in time. Yeah. Um, I, I can totally respect that feeling, but I can also tell you that the amount of games where you're just like Lilo into stitch, or I'm sorry, Lilo into Zimba into Maximus. Now, granted this deck in particular didn't have Maximus, which I, I think Maximus is pretty good. I actually, I actually think Goofy is actually better than I was giving it credit for uh, to begin with because his six health is great against Maui. So there's like layers here that you can really make a conscious decision as you're moving forward and evolving the metagame. But I think the ability for this card to just just get out in front of you, it only adds the layers of pressure for your opponent to always have the answers. And that's the biggest thing that you can do is that you're just like, yep, I'm going to pressure to the metal i'm gonna play cards like mad hatter i'm gonna play cards like cusco uh honestly like any any cards that end up having four or five health are spectacular because you have rapunzel to just replenish all this disadvantage to yourself uh which i think is the biggest takeaway playing against the deck was rough in denver myself i played temple deck overall there you go this is a version right like i think there's a, a bunch of but honestly this is my favorite part of this is that this top eight Top eight decks, all successful decks on the day, but you could take them in different directions, which is what I'm really enjoying so far about, um, honestly, the metagame as a whole. But this is another one that I think that this particular list looks like an incredible, great proof of concept to as like a building block moving forward. Okay, so we have top eight. We have Brandon Bremont. This is the... One of one of two Amethyst Steel decks um, that was played, and they're they're when we look at both of these, we're gonna look at both of these back to back. So the other uh, the other list here is Brooks Clark, who was top four, same type of list. Now there are some key differences in this list. 
And the one thing that I find um, really, really interesting, Scott, is the the items, right? So yep. for Brendan, we have three Magic Mirrors, three Pocket Watch. For Brooks, we have one and two, right? So if we just start with items, of these two lists, I, I mean, I know, I know the answer, but <laughs> these two lists, what, what, which of those do you think is more refined? I mean, clearly the less copies is, is more refined. Right, right. Yeah. So what is it about the Magic Mirror, right? Now, this is a card that we've been high on for months, and honestly, it's just a very good card in general. But why is it important that you, like, just don't need more than at max two of this card? It's uninkable. You you don't want to play it on – it's a really usually a bad play to play on curve. Opening yourself up to opposing beasts and basically just not playing a character – uh, on the same drop so i i don't think you want to play it on two um it's going to be really really difficult for you ever to be able to to activate more than one in a turn anyway right um and it's not usually even if you had the ink it's not usually the best play to be activating more than one in the same turn anyway i mean like right besides the fact that you want to be drawing a card and then usually playing that card if you have other things like pocket watches in play you want to be you know, now you're almost committing yourself to basically spending five ink a turn. Right. Um, you already have three friends. You already have queens. You already have um, Maleficence, the small Maleficent. Um, so I, I just don't think there's, I think you're just going to have hands where you're just clogged if you, if you play this many of these items. Yeah. So another core difference in these lists um, is fire the cannon nope sorry take that back yeah fire the cannons so in our top eight list we have no fire the cannons no captain hook and our top four list we're going the wrong way guys sorry about that our top four list we have three captain hook and then four fire the cannons now this is another my humble opinion without asking the uh the player the question right without asking brandon the question do you think that's an inkable versus uninkable choice it appears to be that way. I mean, like considering this has three magic mirrors, then you and then you're at like that's part of the issue. I think it all flows down from there as to how many uninkables you want to run. Right. Um, this one seems like it has way less uninkables in it. Um, whereas Brandon understands the power of Amethyst to be able to draw cards, so he can play more uninkables. But I mean, he obviously made top four, so I don't think he had really had an issue with it um, with that many uninkables on the day. Yeah, it's looking like this list is 14, 7 for the big guys, 4 grab your swords, 3 magic mirror. Yeah, it sounds right. 14. And then this list we have 3 for hook, 4 for cannons, 4 for grab your swords, and 1 for magic mirror. Uh, and and then and then the 5 in the middle. So it's definitely more, yeah. um, slightly more, about I think 3 more if I'm doing that math quickly and correct on stream it's fine sure, guys sure. um <laughs> so yeah when i first looked at the list and you know by comparison when you have two lists in a top eight of the same you know yeah. basically the same concept it's very easy to just take them and compare them and see what what may have been successful obviously the, the top eight top four not it's a win different right so it, it it is it is a difference but it's it's one win of a difference in the end uh, without knowing what the final standings were going into the the top eight, um, and this is other, no broom, this is no brooms, and that one has brooms. Right, right, right. So th this is what I'm kind of starting. This is why I I, I was kind of nitpicking things just yeah. to get through other like other cores, but 
again, so the this list now has your four rooms for uh for Mickey, and then this this list has zero. Um now I just think it's really interesting that you can see two very like two successful decks in the same event in the same day, and honestly, we've already deciphered like 15 cards difference. Yeah. Um, and that, this is just more of like the the proof of concept here of that like we're far from solved. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we are so very very far from solved in a meta game. And there's so many of these conversations online that go like, oh, it's boring, it's stale. It's like, guys, it's been three weeks, and every single event has a new list that's different from the other ones, or in some fashion, by numbers. Like, it's only sixty cards, right? So like. When you switch out six cards, and I'm just like literally just six, that's 10%. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference. Like it yeah. like people don't look at it that way, but 10% is a huge difference in, in a metagame and in, in a choice and a decision. So like when you look at these two successful decks in top eight, top four here, and they're 15 plus cards different, they're almost different decks. Yeah, sure. In a way, right? Like it's the same concept, same strategy, but the deck itself is. 25% different, maybe more, maybe 30% different. So when you start really looking at those, you have to really understand that the choices made in this uh, are very, very interesting. Like, for example, this list decided to play two Mauis, um, sure. and then the other one did not. So, like, that's a card that – that's probably the first card. If I'm being honest, the first card I'm cutting from the deck is that Maui. Yeah. I don't think that there's any way on planet Earth that I need that Maui to win any game. Um, so I would definitely be looking to cut that. But aside from that, right, and all honestly, like, and I'm not, uh, again, you know, this is just about learning from success. And when we look at this this list here and we see the numbers that are, and, the, and the difference here and how it looks a lot more refined, I think, I think it probably is. But even here, you know, Scott, let, let's just look at some of these numbers. Like, do I really need four broom and four Mickey? Even if I'm playing the Mickey broom combo, right? Even if that's a choice that I'm going to make, do I really need four of each of those cards? I mean, probably not. I mean, I, I especially wouldn't play four Mickey's. When, right. I have, I, when, I, when I have Hans and Captain Hook, it just opens up different options for what right. you want. Like, I just can't imagine you're actually, and you have two Jafar. I just can't imagine you're actually playing Mickey on four unless you have a broom on two or three. So, and you don't right. want to have a broom on three. He also has no small Tinkerbell here, right? So he can't. Yeah, that, that's another key difference here is that he has he no small tank and he has. Less three cost characters in general, because yeah. we only have three and four. Yeah. Um, whereas the other deck had four, four, and four. So like you know we're talking about seven to twelve. So in in terms of making sure my friends on the other side is going to stick, right. uh, and is going to draw me two cards, that's not like the odds of that are less. Uh, and and that's what I just another thing of what I think is important here of like taking. A version of both of these decks is likely the better deck. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Combining, combining them, I think, is the right. Best. Right. Like, like just yeah. taking these two, finding yeah. the best mesh of them, is likely closer to like the more complete deck. I but it is interesting to see the different the different choices within you know within it within this, the same event. Yeah, I mean, like something like Beast, you have to is a meta game call. I mean, I would probably be running four of them at the beginning of the event, but now what was that? What. What was the card you just said? Beast. Beast. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in really, you know, if you're expecting extra Amber Amethyst or Amethyst, just if you're just expecting Amethyst in general, he right. has 
he has a target magic mirror and a right. target in pocket watch but like right. if the meta shifts i mean he's obviously an inkable card so there there's a there's a card you can look at getting rid of there but yeah it's definitely a mash of these two um some things may fall by the wayside i mean you know i can't stand eric for example in any act but it is what it is right <laughs> and so the interesting takeaway here is now neither of these lists have Rafiki, um, which is a defining card in some of the Ruby Amethyst decks. So that's just another choice, right? It's just like, man, I don't, I don't even have that card. Um, yeah, and then sure. I think the other one for me is the queen. So three here and four in the other list, you know, I, while I think the card is very good, I just don't find myself needing four of that card. Right. I would play it because it's just she's just inkable. That's true sure. for me. Is I, I so is it just is it just that my five cost characters are just all inkable and they're like they have utility most of the time? Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. I, yeah. I can get behind that strategy. But I think um, I would be playing like more. I, I think you need to play more of the high end, and I think you need to play probably less of the. I, I like as much as I like Jafar. I just think he winds up being like a casualty of all this. And again, if you're going to run the Mickey Broom, I don't think you need four of each. Um, I do really like the Hans when you're running the Fire of the Cannons. Like, if you're right. not running, I don't think he's a card you can just play because I don't think the one right. damage does anything. Right. But if you are playing extra damage base removal, he becomes much better. Which is notable here because this list does not have Hans and does not have Fire the Cannons. Right. So, it, like, again, I agree with those decisions. Like, you need, there, there, there's all these different levels of these packages within. The concepts right. and i definitely agree that uh if you don't have one you shouldn't have the other is there smasher and not smash the other one? Uh, i believe that is also true yes okay so that's the difference here is that like this list has the smash but no fire the cannons no hans and then this list has uh the fire cannons with hans but no smash and with captain hook so okay. and with hook yes i i can't say i know the right answer no, no, and that's the crazy thing, and that's that's the whole again. Like this is like, I'm gonna keep going back to is that's why like we don't have a solved meta game. Like I don't care what the stats are, I don't care what the numbers are. Like the, these lists right here, both successful, both had five plus wins. You know, in a forty person event, which they traveled to, which they paid to play into, like, and the lists are thirty, like twenty five percent different. Like. Yep. And I and I think that if you put them together, you would end up with a list that was even cards that we just said, like Rafiki. I, I'm not saying that every deck has to play a Zeus, but it's another card like that's not not represented here. And I think Zeus is more important when you're not playing Maui. So like, there's just other cards along this line that this list is far from the best version of itself. And it's right. it's about I like, I like it. I that's what I, I love that because it just means that. You know, in three weeks, the game's not solved by any which means. Even though we have an online platform, like, yeah, it's great to be able to play 125,000 games, but you still have to find a way to make the best version of things. And we're so far from that, in my honest opinion. Yeah, what I like about this color combination is that it's complementary to each other. You're not using one color to make up for another color's weakness. You're using them to be complementary. So, like, I, I hadn't even thought about. And again, I think you, I think. I think the other version actually does this better, but um, because of the shift ability on Tinkerbell, but like I saw a lot of Elsa Tinkerbell synergy going right. on. Like, right. It's not something that I had really thought my this six drop and this eight drop synergize with one another, but you know, Elsa uh, 
you know, exerting down two characters and then Tink in this list a lot of times would have a would, would have the ability to to have her secondary ability actually hit right. a, a much smaller target um to do damage to a much bigger or, or more advantageous target. I thought was really, really cool um for two high cost cards that like are very good on their own, but are even more powerful when you that have some yeah. Uh, the last card before we move on, the big Dr. Facilier. This is a like card, it. again, throughout the entire event. It, it felt weird. It's like there's lists that either have baby Dr. Facilier, but not the big one, or they have the big one, but not the little one. Like, is there any feeling towards any of that? Like, should you just find a way to play a few little ones, like, just to have the option for shift, or is it just not important? I don't... It, it depends. Like, I... I the, the small one can be a good anti-aggro uh, card. And if you are playing uh, Pocket Watch, he has some additional ways of taking care of early drops. So if you want to play like two two and one, if you can get away with it, I think that's totally fine. I do like the big one as a one of, mm -hmm. because he has to have other characters in play to have value. So yeah. I mean, you can't just play him on seven and move on with one. Like you have to play him on seven and have other guys in play that you can immediately get back to your hand, which usually, I mean, if they're small idiots, they usually just provide ink for the rest of the turn, like for the rest of the game. Like he just right. gets you, like he's just immediately like draw two, for example, right. that are inkable. Um, so I do like him. I don't know that you need to shift him because by shifting him, you're implying that like he's actually going to be an active participant in combat. And I don't know that he even needs to be if you have other, because you need other cards regardless. Right. So it's just a nice to have. Uh, so I like him as a one of, um, if you can, if you can fit another uninkable in your deck, I don't know that you need to shift him, but it, it doesn't hurt. Like, I mean, I'm playing him for five is like getting him on five. A lot of times means that your three drops are coming back to your hand. Playing him on seven means your later drops are coming back to your hand. Right. Like for me, like playing him on five represents getting my Rafiki back or getting right. my, uh, Maleficent back. Like, like right. these cards are impactful cards that I don't, I don't ever mind getting back. Yeah, that's fair. Um, mm -hmm. but even like just in this world where, Playing him at five later in the game, like on like, so you can set up yeah. like a turn eight, uh, play my Dr. Basilier plus my Rafiki, like, so my Rafiki runs into something and then I just get it back. Like, I, I'm a big fan of that line. Um, but again, I, I don't have all the answers, right? Like, I, I just know that it's very interesting seeing all of these different Amethyst lists playing one or the other, but there's very few of them that play both. And I'm just like, I wonder why that is. That's all. <laughs> so yep, let's agree. get into the next one. Uh, so our next list is top four, Ryan Miles. We have the Amethyst Emerald. Uh, this is this is more of a mid-range deck, right? Like, I, I wouldn't call this a full-on control. Now, this is this is the first one playing a card like Befuddle, which is what I was... I, I was waiting to get to this. A card like Befuddle has been... Honestly, a very interesting take. I think that at one point, Scott, you know, you or I were, I don't know if your, your opinions changed at all, but I know that like we weren't very happy with like what that card represents. Has anything changed like in your thought process for Befuddle? I see people playing it. I still not, not a huge fan of it. I, I, just, okay. I still don't think it has enough. Um, I still don't think it has enough use. I mean, in this deck, this deck slanted more aggro given Flynn, given some other two or characters. So I think it has actually more use here as a, just a straight bounce card. You already have Mother's Nose best. So it's bounce just like lore. one of those. And it can be, can it, it can be inked. Right. Um, but I actually think it's decent here for those purposes more than, more than like I've seen it in like 
Ruby Amethyst just as delaying tactic. And it's like, you're only preventing like one war, like for me game. I mean, obviously, I don't think the game we're at a point yet where like you're playing a one drop on one, you're playing a two drop on two, you're playing a three drop on three, four, et cetera. So like Befuddle winds up just being like a removal card because they don't have the time to replay the card that you actually befuddled. Right. So like if you befuddle that that Flynn, like you're never going to see it again. I don't think that's true. Right. So because of that, I, I just don't think it does enough for, especially in control list, but I think in the tempo list like this, I think it's actually better. Just to add on, not only might it not do enough, um, it also gives them another option to utilize that as a resource yeah. yep. in most cases. Uh, so it's interesting. Now, the biggest argument I've seen is for um, specifically the Ruby Amethyst, which these lists moving up have it, um, and we're going to talk about that as well. But it's more of a, uh, well, I'm going to use a lot, utilize it to get rid of the Zimba so I can run my Archimedes into whatever. Sure. And like my debate for all that is, well, you shouldn't be playing Archimedes, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is this is the first one where we're seeing the Olaf. Is Olaf just? I don't even know. Like what? What is Olaf representing in the meta game that we're like we want to play Olaf? So what I like is one threes are actually better in aggressive decks than two twos. Okay. So in Warcana in general, willpower is more important than strength. Right. So because of because of damage based removal, willpower actually has two uses, where strength only has one use, which is in challenging. So I, I want people to understand that. So one three is, which I think are only Olaf and Minnie Mouse, actually are better in aggro decks because you they have a chance of gaining more lore, which is your aggro stat, than a two two does. Mm -hmm. So a two two usually just trades with another two two. Well, the two two will eventually trade with the one three, but the one three usually will gain two lore out of it. So one threes are actually better in aggro lists. And this list, I actually like it again because you're playing Megara. So now Olaf becomes a three three when you activate Megara. Now all of a sudden he can trade very favorably with a lot of two drops and survive to tell the tale. So in this list, I think he's very powerful because you're playing Megara, who I also like. Um, so I would try to max that, maximize on both of theirs because Megara actually is really good here with Pascal, really good here with Olaf, uh, really good here with my least favorite card, Cheshire Cat. Um, so it, it's really good. I, I guess it's really good with Jasper just giving you stats. Um, so I actually really like it in this list in general um that card but that's that to me is where Olaf comes into play it's more of an aggro card just like Minnie is yeah uh so for me first of all shout out to Ryan particularly this was the first list in the top eight that when I was really looking over everything closely and studying it you know for this video it was the first one I built I actually built this deck uh I think this deck is really interesting I think it plays on a lot of really fun lines and a lot of really unexpected lines and it's a lot of it is just what you just said. A card like Meg uh, really changes the outcomes of games when your opponent just simply does not expect you to have it. And I know that like now we're going to go this crazy route where people are like, oh, well, this makes Vicious Betrayal good. No, no, it's not. All right, Vicious no. Betrayal is not good. Right. Don't play that card. <laughs> Meg is good because at the end of the day, you still have a one lore character in play that represents other threatening things. God, don't play Vicious Betrayal. But the ability of Vicious Betrayal on a card 
very, very powerful. Um, and and it, this was honestly one of the probably under the radar decks after the top eight. This was the only one that was, you know, that made it. This was, uh, it did hit a top four, but it, it does a lot of really unfair things. Um, you know, the Meg, the Meg, in my opinion, it's, I, you know, we talk about putting numbers down all the time. Meg should be a four of, uh, in all honesty, like her impact is that good. Now, the other things that are very interesting to me are the Peter Pan. I actually think he's like potentially the worst card in this deck. Uh, and 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 I say that in all honesty just because he seems like one of the biggest weak spots in the deck. Because he's the easiest. Like, And I know like we're in a world where uh, not everyone's even playing Fire the Cannons, right? And when I totally get that. But is is my three cost play worth, um, you know, worth just dying on turn four or turn five to grab your sword and things like that? A lot of other decks are now playing cards like Jetsam, and you know, like they're just, they're they're playing answers to it. So since there's other decks just playing answers to it, I don't really find it necessary to play at three. I would just utilize that somewhere else uh, in general, but. All in all, this deck was a lot of fun. This deck has a lot of power. I think it's under the radar. I think if you're looking to some, do something different, it's definitely a deck that I would pick up and start playing. I think the pan is here for the two, three cost songs. For the what? For the songs. Right. I, I, yeah. I guess my problem, I guess the, the end all be all here is that is pan just the best three cost card after the first four that we already are playing? Is that is that just what the debate is? I mean, because we already have, what, 14 two-drops, so now we're saying that we need 16, I'm sorry, 14 threes, so now we need 16 threes to make friends good? I, I just don't even know that's true. No, I don't know. He's probably better than Jasper. I mean, I do, you know, he's probably on par with Cheshire Cat. Um, he does give you outs to, you know, Pongos and things like that, so I think he's probably fine. Right. Um, it's just a matter of what you what you want to be. You just want you you need your you want your three cost character to survive. It doesn't survive higher the cannon, so like that's not even necessarily going to be the case. Right. Um, so it just depends on what you're doing. I have more of an issue with like the six six drops, to be honest with you, than I do okay. with 14 three drops. So that's fair. Yeah, John Silver. It's actually. John Silver for me on the day was a very interesting thing. Like every time he came into play, I'm like, oh, that's good. But then like as the game kept going, I, I don't even know that it really mattered. Like it, it was a really weird thing where it's just like as I'm watching like his games develop and these plays happening, I'm just like, it looks like because, you know, he's a card that has a lot of ability, right? Like there's a lot of words on that card. But I, I in this particular event, in the games that I saw and played, I think I actually ended up becoming pretty unimpressed by him. I, I, the goal is to have your two want-to-be-challenged five drops be force them into be challenged. The problem is, a lot of times, that's what they're going to do anyway because those characters have three more. Like, right. So, like, and, and live the dream. Cheshire Cat is my only exerted character. Play John Silver. I guess that can happen, but I fail it just seems like it's not going to happen very often and because he costs more than a lot of the removal i just think he just doesn't have enough he's not fast enough to impact the game in the theoretically it looks good but i think i'd rather just have genie 
most of the time. Fair. Lots of people hanging out in the stream. Uh, if you're new to the channel, please hit that like button, hit that subscribe. Um, let us know in the comments if you agree or disagree with anything so far so we can break it down when we're done. We got three more decks to get through here. Uh, and this next one I think will be, for me, the most fun. But, um, oh, oh boy. All right, Scott. So we have the second place and the top eight Ruby Amethyst list here. Oh, all right. So I'm going to rant first. Okay. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to rant first. Every other deck in this top eight is 60 cards. Every other deck. Right. And I know when we think about going and saying, oh, well, two of the decks were not 60 cards. Okay. So from the door, two of the people were wrong. And this is, this is like a, just a clear understanding of how card games work. And not only are they wrong, but they're actually affecting things to even greater, have greater success within this deck. So this is already stapled as, you know, for weeks, it was the best deck in the game for weeks. It, uh, we can make an argument that for months we could say that it was the best deck in the game well before we even had Elsa's and Ursula's and, and like Maui's. Like it was mm -hmm. still at a point in time, you know, you can go back months ago when we were reporting on the meta before the full release which was still the idea of forming these cores right we talked about the sapphire i'm sorry the um the amethyst steel core like the ruby the ruby amethyst core is another one that like yeah you can play a completely different 60 than someone else by like 15 or 20 cards but what you should not do is go oh i like what that guy's doing i'm just gonna add 11 cards to my deck Yes. Like that's the worst thing you can do. You're not you're not helping yourself in any manner here at all. Like play 60 cards. Get to 60. I promise you your deck is better at 60 than it is at 61 as long as you understand. And like listen, here's the real truth, guys. You can't build a deck that beats everything. It just doesn't exist. You're going to have weak spots and if you don't have weak spots, then there's an internal flaw in the design of the game. And I do not think that that's true in, for any deck in the game right now. Every deck that you've seen that has success, that's won an event, that's seen multiple times, they all have a weakness, every single one of them. So you can't just be like, I'm just going to put seven more cards in my deck. I'm just going to put 10 more cards in my deck. Like, God, just mm -hmm. build a better deck. Like, just get to a better deck. I, I promise you. So now... Now that my rant's over, unless you want to continue. Well, the question I have and the question I would ask the deck builders is, why why does Ruby Amethyst have 70 cards in it, 71 cards, whatever you want to call, but Steel Amethyst has 60? All or the card draws coming from Amethyst, right? Or, Am or Amber Amethyst. So, so, right. So all the card draws coming from Amethyst or Amber in the case of having both. So why... I understand that there's more board wipes and things like that, but it doesn't make any sense. Like Ruby doesn't give you any card draw. So what are you getting in one control list that you're not getting in the other when it, it just doesn't make any sense? No, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not going to, no. but anyway. Um, all right. So the key differences in these two lists uh, are obviously the Sergeant Tibbs. <laughs> yes, right, true, right. Uh, 
the the differences are the number of Mickey Mouses. One of us has four. The other one has two. Uh, the right. items are quite different. We have three two two and then three one one. Three one one two. Three one one two. Yeah, there's a pocket watch over there. Too. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. So it's two three two two and then it's uh, one three one two. So clear differences there. For what it's worth, that might be the four card difference in their list. I'm not even sure. <laughs> I'm not. 100% positive, but that might be literally the four-card difference with the Mickey Mouses. There has to be some other thing here. Oh, we have Jafar's. I think I think they all have – I think it's the same cards. I can't find a difference within the list, right? Like, it's it's all of the um, same cards. There's a one of Ursula over here on – Okay, Jonathan so there's Paul. no Ursula in the, in the deck with 70 cards. Right. Can't find room for that card. Right. So we couldn't go to 71 for Ursula. All right. There's, um, and there's Facilier in Hong's deck, and there's no Facilier in uh, Jonathan's deck. All right, all right. And there's the two. Otherwise, it's just otherwise it's just numbers at that point. So, okay. Let's just let's just have a let's just have a a, a session here, right? How about we just take Hong's deck, which is seventy cards in it, and we just take ten cards out of it, and we call it even. Like it's just a better deck, right? Yeah. So, what are the first ten cards we're removing from this deck? Uh, all four brave little tailors, the two Ursula's cauldrons, the two goofies, the two befuddles, and the four Archimedes. I don't even know how many that is. All right, so that's more than <laughs> ten. Great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that would twelve. So we we take out twelve cards. What are the two cards we're putting in that we're missing? Uh, probably a third Rafiki and. A fourth queen right off the bat. Are we right. missing anything? I, I don't know. That we're literally missing anything. I, I don't. I don't think it's possible that we're missing anything. Right. But I'm, I'm. I'm okay to be wrong. Or like um, a fourth. Like a fourth big Aladdin. A third small Aladdin. Like whatever. A fourth we're, we're Aladdin. The good cards. Sure. Uh, but just to to clarify here, guys, it took us thirty seconds to do that. Mm -hmm. 30 seconds to yeah. cut 10 cards. Don't play with 70 cards in your deck. Just, <laughs> just don't. I, I, I can't, I, I can't even be polite about it. Like there's, there's no excuse to play 70 cards in your deck. There's a, there is no mill deck. B, this bullshit myth of, oh my God, I'm going to mill in the mirror. That's just not true. You're both playing, you're both playing right. rooms, which is a whole right. other debate in itself. If you even need that card, Spoiler alert, you don't need that card. It's not the reason you're going to mill or not mill in a control mirror. And if you did that, you, the clock ran out well beforehand, okay? Like, there's no way you're milling in 50 minutes. Like, it's, it's preposterous. Concede earlier, in all honesty. Like, if you really worry about it, concede the game earlier. But, yeah. Um, I, 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 we've talked about this deck over and over the last three weeks. I don't think... Other than this being seven cards and ten cards above sixty, uh, this deck is great. This deck is powerful. It's one of the better decks in the in the in the game. It's one of the more it's more of the, it's one of the more refined decks. But I also think that comes with this is what a lot of players were gravitating towards before the release of the game even happened. Um, and I think that that's why you might. I personally don't think that we have seen the best version of this deck at all yet. Again, I think there's a lot of meta decisions. I think that these two colors actually offer you a ton of choice. 
um, a little bit more than what you're seeing now. Like, for example, Scott said, remove the Goofies. I actually like the Goofies in the deck. Um, I actually like, you know, a single Tigger in the deck. I think that they, they're they like alternate answers to where, you know, when my Maui is bad, I have another card that is good. Uh, and I don't think it's I don't think it's to say that I, I'm going to the, to the the extent of removing Maui, but I don't mind having these alter you know these alternative characters uh, in the game because I think you can get away with playing way more ones and twos than just your item slot. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, um, more of the story for these for this one, just just cut the sixty. I I, I can't say it enough. All right, so our last deck is the winner. Anthony King, shout out to winner again for PPG Denver. And we have um, what he called was Song Aggro, Amber Ameth or Amber Steel Aggro. Uh, you know, this is a deck that, for all intents and purposes, I think was really born when Ursula's Necklace was born. Mm -hmm. Even though there is no sight of Ur Ursula's Necklace in here, because I think we all realize really quickly that you actually just don't need that card for this deck to be good. Uh, this version's a little different. It's definitely faster than like the more control versions. I still think in some of the control list, you may, similar to how there's like a one of Magic Mirror, I think you'll, you might find room for a one of Ursula's Necklace. That remains to be seen. Uh, but this was a deck, Scott, that you got to call the finals. And I think that after the finals, you were, you found yourself very impressed by this list for a particular reason. So why don't you walk me through what like you really enjoyed about this deck? I really liked the way it used the whole new world. And that's actually the card that's replaced Ursula's Necklace, to be honest with you. That card didn't exist when that was uh, first spoiled. Right. Um, I was playing with a, a lot of this with Ursula's Necklace before that. Um, the use of a whole new world in the, in this list was very, very powerful, using it at the right times. Um, but really what this deck has proven to me is that the best way to get around board wipes is to play Stitch Rockstar. So the ability to come back in the game um, uh, with Stitch Rockstar has been very impressive to me. Yeah, I thought... Um, I think Rockstar has been one of the more interesting characters, in all honesty. There was a point in time where it was, like, the greatest card in the game. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a point in time where it was, like, unplayable somehow, which I don't think was ever really true, but that was, like, the public consensus of it. And then I think that, you know, with... I think it was like, I think George said there was 500 people on stream um, on Twitch, another 200 uh, over here. So you're talking about 700 people watching it live, watching the, you know, the the replays and things like that. I think our stream of it has over 4,000 views or something like that. So once you start realizing, like once people saw it and saw what mm -hmm. Stitch is capable of, it makes a really interesting decision of like, man, why aren't, why aren't more Amber decks playing Stitch, right? like that card is just very good um and i'm not certain right like this is a conversation we actually had in discord this week of how many one and twos do you really need to make him that good like in this particular list i think uh if we bring it back up it's 19 one cost characters and then eight two cost characters so that's 25 by quick math right no 27 so that's Wait, like half your deck Yep. Uh, is that too much? Probably. I mean, like, it depends on what the it depends on what the goal like of using them is. I mean, like, you can't by having the redundancy, you have the ability to start the game more earlier. You have a lot of characters in here that like can't 
really you can't quest with on two if you play them on one. Right. Um, like you you can't expose your small stitch. You can't expose. You don't really usually want to expose your captain hook unless they don't have a one. Like they didn't play a one drop. Simba does not trade well with any other one drop except for Lilo. So like you have a lot of times where you're not swinging on two to gain more. So it's like you know if you but you want to be playing those characters. So it's good to have the redundancy there. Um, I think you can probably get away with like cutting the goons and like I, I, I would search far and wide for a better answer with Eric um, as a two drop. So like, it's not necessarily that I want to necessarily, the only ones I would play less of literally is probably goons and try to find a better two drop. If one exists, I haven't thought about it tremendously. So like is Minnie Mouse better? I mean, maybe I, I can't stand Eric, so probably. Like, no, I, I, I don't actually think that they're that far apart. I'm not sure yeah. that either is like ideal, but mm-hmm. this this like world where Prince Eric is for some reason the default two cost character in Steel Decks kind of blows my mind. Now, would you go to the extent of playing Aladdin? Uh, I've thought about it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I think that's a good. It might be a good call. Um, it depends though how much how much steel you're expecting. You don't sure. want to just lose your guy. Like you want, you don't want to lose too many guys when they play. Um, Grab your swords, Tink or Tinkerbell. Yeah, but right. like, um, I would consider it for sure and see how see how it works out. Um, I know you're you're a fan of of the lantern. Um, I, I, I mean, I thought I thought it looked very good. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, even we we saw a lot of amber steel um, on the day. I think it was on stream like four times across two different players. Uh, and it's honestly really, really powerful. I I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's like good outside of this particular combination. And I also don't think it's good unless you're playing the aggro version in my humble opinion, but it's really good with rockstar. It's really good after a whole new world to just basically have more resources than your opponent can. It's also this weird setup of, um, since we have 27 you know, low drop cards, often on turns like three and four and five, you had seen like, oh, I'm going to play my one cost and play Lantern. Um, And then my Lantern, like the next turn just like helps me afford everything. Obviously, uh, the the biggest thing is the the full-fledged combo all of it is Stitch into Lantern into Rockstar on turn three. I think that that's like, in my humble opinion, the strongest thing you can do to start a game of Disney Lurkana. Uh, I, I don't... I haven't seen anyone lose with that opening hand. It's it's unbelievably power. It's really really hard to interact with, uh, and yeah, it's it's really really good. So just for that alone, I think I would be playing Lantern. I don't know if I could ever go to the extent of playing four of them, but in a world where if I'm trying to use the Mulligan rule as best as I possibly could. It might be an option uh, because, again, like when you see those three cards in your opening hand, I don't think you lose that game like almost ever. Yeah, I agree. The only the only changes I would really make to this and even even look to make to this, like where I even see anything you even can do is the cards right in the middle with the smash and the, the goons. Otherwise, and, and just changing Eric for other two drops. Um, otherwise, I think the deck's pretty tight. Uh, I would try as best as possible to get to the the max Tinkerbells, I would, um, and yeah, and just substitute some cards here and there, but the core of it is, is yeah. all there. I think going to max on Tinkerbells is great. I think, I think this is another deck where I'm 
really happy to play Hades in. Yeah, sure. Um, it's another deck where I, I'm really happy to play Part of Your World in. Um, so I, I, those are things that I would definitely be looking to add. I'm not saying like we're adding four of each of those cards or anything like that, but I think I think some number of them is really good. Uh, the I saw a lot of games where it was one honestly just with Rockstar and and Tinks in the end. It was like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna beat up on my opponent early, get my lore here, and then I'm just gonna outvalue my opponent either on board presence with with Tank or in hand presence with adding to the board with Stitch. Uh, I, I was very, very impressed with Anthony's gameplay throughout the day. I was very impressed with this deck as general. Um, you know, we watched a game one. His, in game one of the finals, it was like a really, really strugglesome game. And it almost looked like, man, like maybe this is actually just unwinnable. And then games games two and three was like almost the complete opposite where he just outvalued his opponent from like turn five on. And his opponent was Ruby Amethyst. And that's what they're supposed to be doing. Yep, agreed. All right, so uh, before we get into this next section here, we have uh, if you ha add lower cost songs, Sebastian, I don't think we're ever playing Sebastian. Uh, it, uh, unless there's four cost songs that are playable. We didn't mention this. There is a world where I would consider playing Hukuna Matata just as a inkable card. Not in this list, but in other lists. Yeah. No, not in this particular list, but in other aerial lists. Yeah. I think like playing a one or a two who like Hakuna Matata, literally, I'm not kidding. It's just the the, the times that you're gonna play Hakuna Matata, super duper low. But the times that you're gonna be like, oh cool, I got my resource for the turn, that's fine. <laughs> I'm really okay. I don't I don't think you can play a, a playset of it, but no, you're fit just in general another card. Like how many Rapunzels would you try to fit in this list? In this list, I, I don't know that I I I mean like I'm not saying I wouldn't play it, but I don't think you're playing four in this list. I do think, again, if we go back to this core, personally, the list that I've talked about on, on a couple different videos now is more of a, a mid-range list. Mm -hmm. And I think Rapunzel's and Smee's and all those things are are just an, like not an, not an evolution of this because I think that this list in particular ha is very different than the next tier of it or the next, uh, the, uh, the next version of it, I should say, not even tier. But like there is a version of this deck that cuts out on the ones and and lowers everything but plays Smee, plays uh mm -hmm. maximus or goofy and plays um you know rapunzel and things like that as a instead of just pressuring early and like retaining a win with stitch you're more or less like i'm just gonna like steadily pressure you throughout the game and at the end of the game if i didn't draw my stitch if i didn't you know draw this quote combo of kind of combo of cards i'm still drawing cards that have two lore on them i'm still drawing mm -hmm ways to refill my hand and like things like that and I, I i think it's honestly unlike the two uh steel amethyst list that we compared i think the mid-range version of this and the aggro version of this are actually like entirely different decks like that deck doesn't i don't think that deck plays lantern right like you're just mm -hmm. removing that card entirely you're just you're trying to set up different things i think they're very very different decks okay um how do you feel about lefou as a two drop I, that's another one like you know it's a one two it has two lore like maybe instead of prince if that's what you're trying to be more aggressive the one thing i will say about all of all of those things is that if we really started trying to be a more even a even more aggressive i think i would try and find some number of hercules uh because if, if we have like a one cost two lore a two cost two lore and like i only have zimba then you don't have enough ways to protect 
I would much rather have Zimba and Hercules in this in this version just to like get everything possible out of my early game before I start comboing off with a uh, whole new worlds and rock stars. I'd rather have any of these two drops than Eric, so I'm totally fine with both of them. Eric's a downer, guys. Eric's a downer. All right, so this was a lot of fun, um, but we're going to get into what I think is the most interesting, right, Scott? Yes. What's the most common thing uh, that we've heard since release? Oh, One of the most hard. common things, I should say. It's hard to find cards. Hard to find cards. <laughs> cards are expensive. Expensive. Cards are expensive. Decks are expensive. Mm-hmm. So while you, if you guys are in chat right now, and if you maybe you don't know the numbers, I know the numbers. Let me know in the numbers uh, what you think the average cost of the deck is in this video. We just we went over eight decks, and I I'm about to show you. I'm about literally about to the next screen that we have in this in this section is the average cost of these decks. I'm very curious. If you're hanging out in stream. A, hit the like button. B, if you're not, hit the subscribe. C, let me know right now in the chat. If you're watching the after video, hit me up in the comments. Let me know what you think the average cost of one of these decks is. Because quite frankly, uh, when I was talking to Shot, when I was talking to Scott about it, I was actually shocked that it was the number that it is. Were Were you at all shocked, Scott? Uh, I was. I was. I, yeah, I thought it was, I, I was shocked. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. I'll give it. I'll give it a few more seconds here. Um. Now, <laughs> we're going to see it in a second. The obvious most expensive deck was the 70-card deck, right? Like, <laughs> That's a little unfair, man. A little bit of it. You got 10 more cards, so obviously you're more expensive. What, uh, what deck do you think was the cheapest, though, Scott, if, if, you, if you didn't look at it? Uh, I have to go back and think. Um, maybe the winner, I would think. No, it was not, actually. Okay. That was actually either average or above average. So, I, all the emeralds had Kuzco, right? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to. I don't know. So the cheapest deck by oh, a very large margin. Oh right, because it doesn't have the. Yeah. And I'm talking like a large margin, <laughs> uh, like well below the average. So if you're looking for a budget deck, here is your budget deck right here. I already told you it was a lot of fun to play. I always told I already told you it's really interesting. This deck currently would cost you less than two hundred dollars to build. And with the changes we suggested, I think it's even cheaper, right? It might even be it might even be cheaper. Hundred yeah. percent might even be cheaper. So like this deck is probably closer to like a hundred and fifty dollar deck right now. Um, and and, wait, and, <laughs> and forty dollars of that is uncommon to look. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But regardless, I thought it was the most interesting thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so we got some good guesses here. So we got 500, 500, 450, 400, 420, 475. You guys are are in the right range, right? You're in the right range. So this number did shock me. The average cost of the game. I love it. What? I love this thing you made. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, so the average cost is $453 for the top eight decks. Uh, the two Amber Amethyst, I'm sorry, the two Ruby Amethyst were above $600. The total, the highest was $613.66 for, for 70 cards. 
Um, <laughs> and the lowest was $175.89. Now, I did this this morning, actually. So these prices are probably still fair, in all honesty. Uh, but yeah, the, this is, I thought, was the most interesting. $450, I'm sorry. If you're a competitive player in a competitive card game, that's not expensive. It's just, you know, it, it's just not expensive to me. Like, you... You're, if you're willing to travel to events, if you're willing to, you know, stay nights in a hotel and things like that, then you have to be willing to spend money to to compete in the best manner. And if you're telling me that some of the best decks in the game, like the the winning deck costs four hundred thirty dollars, so I'm sorry, four hundred, yeah, four hundred fifty one, four hundred fifty one. Is that what that was? That, that number there. No, I had to stretch the images to make this to make this work well, yeah. but that's the winning deck. You know, like uh, it's. To me, I think it's it's a very, very fair price. I, I don't think it's as dramatic or as drastic as people were saying at all. So I guess this says that Amethyst cards are expensive. It, the, the Amethyst legendaries are expensive. Right. Um, for sure. It also is definitely saying that steel cards are expensive. They went up as a result of the event. They were cheaper they, before. Right. Like, definitely went up. I mean, like, we're going to talk about a couple of them in a second here, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, all in all, I, I think it's great. I actually, I'm actually really, really happy with this current cost of a deck to play at an event. You know, I, I think, and and this is like, this is market value. Obviously, if you can get below price, if you can get like, you should be looking on. There's people on Facebook that are selling stuff at Facebook or like 75% of TCG low and things like that. Like, those are the things that I would be looking to buy if you're trying to get into one of these. But it is very interesting to me that the amber or the amethyst emerald deck was legitimately almost $300 below the average. Yeah. That's interesting. So all in all, if you enjoyed that section and you haven't already, please hit the like button, hit subscribe. If you're not, 